0: Our Bible study today is on Christ the Judge. And our text is found in John 5:22. If you'll turn to that, John chapter 5 and verse 22. Christ the Judge. <clears throat> For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. An unwanted and even hated aspect of the character of Christ is the fact that He is the judge of all men. Today's liberals, cultists, and general unbelievers either downgrade or deny altogether the fact that Jesus Christ is the judge of men. People today seem willing to talk about Christ's love and His compassion and His mercy and His forgiveness but not about His judgment. The reason sinful men and women refuse to acknowledge Christ as the judge is because they are sinful and guilty and to admit that Christ might be the judge would mean that they will have to acknowledge and face up to their sin and their guilt uh, that comes from their sin, and they're deserving of eternal hell because of their guilt. Their adultery, and lying, and cheating, and gambling, and stealing, and covetousness, and Sabbath breaking, and hatred for Christians will have to be answered for if Christ is the judge. And they, want to, they don't want to deal with these things for one minute. According to God's word, there is a judge to whom every person who ever lives on this planet will someday have to answer for his or her sins and be sentenced accordingly to go to hell for all eternity. In this study this morning, we're going to think for a few moments about that judge and His judgment. And then we're going to try to make personal application of this to all who are listening today. So first of all, we shall consider the matter of who the judge of this world is. In this text that we read, the Lord Jesus Himself claims to be the judge of the world. When He says, "...for the Father judgeth no man," but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Other scriptures tell us that Christ is the judge. Acts 10.42, for example, says that Christ was appointed to be the judge in the council in the Godhead. Let's turn to Acts 10 and verse 42. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. Peter is preaching Christ here when he says, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. The word quick in the Bible means living. So he was appointed to be the judge of the living and the dead. Second Corinthians 5:10 says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Turn to 2 Timothy 4:8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. This speaks of Christ as the Lord the righteous judge. When Paul says here, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The work of Christ as mediator is described in God's word under three specific classifications. You're familiar with this. He's prophet, he's priest, and he's king. That makes up his work as mediator. Well, Christ's judgeship is part of his work as king. And thus the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 25, 34, concerning the judgment, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my Father, Inherit the kingdom Prepared for you From the foundation of the world In his judgment Christ's Royal dignity as king Will be demonstrated Christ's Judging the world Is the crowning honor Of his kingship God has exalted Christ in making Him the judge of the world Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, Paul says in Philippians 2.9. But if Christ is the judge, then what about the scriptures that say that God is the judge? Scriptures like Ecclesiastes 12.14. Let's turn to that. Ecclesiastes 12.14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And turn to Romans 2.5. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. Here Paul says to unrepentant sinners, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And one more, and we won't turn to this, but in 2 Thessalonians 1, 5, Paul speaks of a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. So what are we to make of the fact that the Bible sometimes calls God the judge and sometimes calls Christ the judge? Well, first of all, there is no conflict in the scriptures in this matter. The fact is that Christ's judgment is the judgment of God because Christ is God. He is God the Son. Our text, For the Father judgeth no man, but have committed all judgment out the Son, does not mean that God the Father has given judgment to the Son in such a way that the Father is no longer involved in the judgment. The fact of the matter is that the Father judges no man apart from or separate from or without the Son. God Himself will judge in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans 2.16, you're still there in Romans, I trust. And verse 16 of this chapter, Paul speaks of the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. There's the answer in that verse. Now turn to Revelation 20 and verse 12. Revelation chapter 20 And verse 12 when, when John said here In Revelation twenty twelve That he saw the dead Small and great Stand before God It was God the Son That he saw Revelation 20 and verse 12 And I saw the dead Small and great Stand before God And the books were opened And another book was opened Which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. There are two basic things that qualify Jesus Christ to be the judge. The first is the fact that He is a man. That qualifies Him. Turn to Acts 17, verse 31. Acts 17... Verse 31. Paul says that here that Christ the judge is a man. Acts 17.31. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So Christ is a man. The judge needs to be a man. In John five twenty seven, the Lord Jesus says that the Father hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Our law in America requires that a man be judged by his peers, by his fellow men. God will judge men in the person of Jesus Christ, the man. As a man on this earth, the Lord Jesus was absolutely without sin and His life was wholly in harmony with the will of God. The judge of the world must be a man so that he can appear in human nature and be seen. His human nature enables His voice to be heard in the sentencing. Now the other thing that qualifies Jesus Christ as the judge is the fact that He is God. A great judgment that's coming on all men requires at least three things that are characteristic only of one who is God. This judgment, first of all, requires omniscience. The judge will have to know all things. Turn to Ecclesiastes 12:14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. This says that God will bring every evil work and every secret thing Into judgment. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, in order to to judge all these things, the judge will have to know all things. Think what it means to know all things about the billions of people who have and will live on this earth. This is a total impossibility except for one who is God. Colossians 2 3 says that in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ Jesus knows all that is in man. He is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows everything that you are thinking right now. He knows whether you're listening to His Word right now. Second, the judgment that Christ will exercise will also require almighty power, omnipotence. Almighty power will be needed in this judgment because God's Word tells us that the judge will raise the dead and bring them all before His throne at one time. Such power will be needed for the judge to execute sentence by sending guilty sinners into the flames of eternal hell and justified sinners into the golden streets of heaven. Christ the judge has this power. Isaiah 9, 6 calls Him the mighty God. And Luke 21, 27 says that Christ will come for judgment with power as well as with great glory. Look at Luke 21 and verse 27. Luke 21, 27. Luke 21, 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Thirdly, this judgment requires that strict justice be meted out. In His requirements for men who served as judges in Old Testament Israel... God said that absolute justice must be meted out by them. Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 16 say that the decisions of these judges must be without prejudice and without partiality. They must reject all bribes. They must guard against the influence of popular opinion on their judgment. The judgment meted out by Christ will be more just than any of those Old Testament judges could ever have administered. In Isaiah 11, verses 3 through 5, the Scripture describes the justice of the judgment to be rendered by Christ. Let's turn to Isaiah 11, 3 through 5. Isaiah chapter 11, Verses 3 through 5. Here again I say the scripture describes the justice of the judgment that will be rendered by Christ. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. When he to whom God has given all judgment shall judge, he won't wink at or downplay the sins of any. No bribe can reach him. He won't respect some persons over others. He will show no favoritism, no leniency. He will judge fairly and impartially, and He won't take sides against any. When you face His judgment, my friend, nothing that favors you will be concealed, and nothing that's against you will be kept back this judge will mete out judgment that fits the crimes being judged. He won't be like the judges here in Grenada who let criminals out on low bail, pending sentencing, and that allows them to run free and sell more dope. Strict justice will be meted out by this judge. Omniscience, omnipotence, and strict justice. Jesus Christ, the person who shall preside in the judgment, who shall carry on the judicial process to the end, has all of these things in Himself, and thus is God Himself. Christ would not be fit for judging the world were He not God, equal with the Father. Jesus Christ, Well, execute this office of judge as the God-man in both of his natures, human and divine. Well, this brings us to the second thing we shall consider in this study, and that is the judgment exercised by Christ the Judge. Jesus Christ will judge this world when he comes the second time to this earth. Turn to 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. The scripture says here, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge The quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Every eye shall see the Son of Man coming to judge this world. What a colossal and overwhelming scene this judgment will be. Sometimes I try to think about what that's, try to visualize what that judgment's going to be like. What an awesome scene. Those who will be present at this judgment will be there because they will be brought there by the judge himself. All the inhabitants, all the inhabitants of heaven and earth and hell, men, angels, and demons, will be there. The wicked dead will be there. Those persons who have indulged in the gratification of their sinful lust. Turn to Revelation 20 and verse 12. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. The Apostle John says here, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. So John saw the wicked dead, small and great, stand before God the Son. And what he saw in a vision, you and I will one day see in awful reality. The wicked dead will include those men who were responsible for Christ's crucifixion And death. Think about a terrifying moment when the crucifiers of the Lord are brought before the judgment. The men who once judged Christ will be there. And he that was once judged by them shall then judge them. Jesus Christ will then judge his judges. He will judge Judas who betrayed him and the Jews who accused him, and the high priest who orchestrated his death, and Herod who made sport of him, and the soldiers who mocked and abused him, and those who stood around the cross and reviled him, wagging their heads, they'll stand before Christ as their judge at this judgment. All the wicked of all of history will be there. All the popes and priests who have persecuted and, murdered, and uh, murdered Christ's people and blasphemed Christ will be there. All the socialists and other tyrants who have hated Christ through the ages will be there. Oh, how the tables will be turned in that day. The appearance of Christ the judge in that judgment will be significant. Earthly judges appear in their courts in some pomp wearing black robes accompanied by bailiffs and seated on elevated benches with a court in session around them as their center. Daniel 7, 9 9 and 10 describes the appearance of Christ the Judge at the great judgment. Let's turn to Daniel 7, 9 and 10. Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 and 10 the appearance of the judge at this judgment I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool his throne was like the fiery flame and His wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before Him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto Him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before Him. The judgment was set and the books were open. Now, I, I like to contrast that with our judges today. Our judges wear black robes this judge wears a white. He's dressed in white. And on and on we could go with contrast. Christ the Judge will come in great glory. He will be visible in His human nature. And the light of His divine nature will be shining through. Angels will attend Him. And He will come with a shout, with the trumpet of God, and with the voice of the archangel. Revelation 20 11 through 13 says, A great white throne will be set up on which He will be seated. Look at that. Revelation 20, 11 through 13. Revelation 20, 11 through 13. And I saw a great white throne and Him that sat on it And they were judged every man according to their works. At this judgment, the one who was once derided by men will then be seated on the throne of judgment. Once Christ was contemptible to these people, a worm and no man. But now His glory will be so bright that the wicked won't be able to stand in his presence. Psalm 1 5 says that the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. And Nahum 1 6 says, Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide the fierceness of his anger? How utterly different will be the appearance of the Savior from what it was when he walked and wept on this earth, and especially when he hung on that cruel cross and lay in that cold sepulchre. Revelation 21 and 12, that we've already read, tells us that the books were opened at this judgment. Uh, did you know that God keeps records? And he's going to consult those records as evidence when Christ judges sinners. This judgment will be just based on God's records of all of man's thoughts and words and deeds. One of the books which Christ the Judge will open will be the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is written there, nothing written in other books will condemn you. The sentence handed down by Christ the Judge will be twofold. First, There will be Christ's sentence on the righteous. The Lord Jesus tells us what it will be in Matthew 25, 34. So let's turn to that. Matthew 25 and verse 34. Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come! ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It is not Christ's business on that day to condemn believers, but to pronounce them pardoned and justified. In John 5:24 the judge himself says that believers shall not be condemned at the judgment. Look at John 5:24. John chapter 5 and verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We who are believers have already been acquitted by God and admitted to heaven because of our justification. Believers in Christ have already been cleared of their guilt through faith in the righteous life and substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And so we can never be condemned for that guilt. As Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who can condemn us if Christ the Savior is our judge? Christ died to save us and He will never go against the design of His own death. This prevents our being overcome with fear of the awful judgment that is to come when we see our almighty friend and Savior on the bench at the judgment, we will be greatly reassured. Think of the rapturous thrill in our hearts when we hear the judge say to us, Come, ye blessed. Then there is the sentence of Christ the judge on the wicked. The sentence He will hand down to them is recorded in Matthew 25, 41. Let's read that. Matthew 25 and verse 41. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. (coughs) At this judgment, Christ the judge will turn to the right and say, Come, ye blessed. And then with the same lips, he'll say to those on the left, Depart, ye cursed. Who are these whom Christ the judge condemns in the judgment? They are all unpardoned sinners. They include those who despise and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. They are those who despise Christ, His crucifiers then and His detractors now. They are those who are the enemies of Christ and His gospel. Isaiah 53.3 speaks of these when it says of Christ, He is despised and rejected of men. Turn to Luke nineteen twenty seven. Luke 19 and verse 27. Someday at the judgment, Christ the judge is going to say, But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. All that will remain for the wicked after this judgment is the furnace of fire, the undying worm, the unquenchable flame, and the weeping and gnashing of teeth for all eternity. Just after the judge passes this sentence on the wicked, it is said, These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal." Furthermore, this sentence will be irrevocable. There will be no appeal from this judgment. It will be final. Finally, we shall consider in this study of Christ the Judge the application of all this to our lives today. And there are two applications we need to make of the fact that Christ is the Judge. First, the fact that Christ is the Judge gives us a realistic view of who He is. The fact that Jesus Christ is spoken of as the Judge reminds us that His tenderness towards sinners must not be allowed to hide from us His severity against sinners. know, He is the tender, loving Savior, but we must not let that hide from us that He is severe with sinners. Wicked men. There is no one who is more severe toward sinners, or who is less willing to excuse those who continue in wrongdoing than Jesus Christ. Hebrews one nine says of Christ, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. If people die in their sins, they will find that He that made them will not have mercy on them, and He that formed them will show them no favor, as Isaiah twenty-seven eleven says. In this judgment, men will see at a glance how love and righteousness are one and how they meet in equal splendor in the person of Christ whom God has chosen to be the judge of the living and the dead. Now the other extremely important application of this matter of Christ the judge is the urgency of sinners repenting. In light of the fact that Christ is the judge of sinners, it is desperately important that sinners repent of their sins as soon as possible. Turn to Acts 17 verses 30 and 31. Acts chapter 17 verses 30 and 31. In his sermon to the Athenians Paul uses this subject of Christ the judge to urge his sinners to repent. And the times of this ignorance God winked at or overlooked but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead it is urgent that sinners repent because the judgment is coming the judge stands before the door, I used to hear the old preacher say. The time is short. Remember, my unsaved friend, that in whatever state death leaves you, saved or unsaved, the judgment will find you. And if you are unsaved when death comes, there remains for you only a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Let us pray. Our Father, we are thankful for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who have repented of sin and trusted in Him, (coughs) we are surely grateful today for the prospect of Judgment that lies ahead because Christ, our righteousness, stands for us. And there's no condemnation now for us. We pray for lost sinners here today, young or old, that your Holy Spirit would work regeneration in their lives so that they might repent of sin and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.